Jeremiah 2 verse 1 begins like this. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem and say, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, <laughs> the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice have your fathers found in me, that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Neither did they even say, Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and of shadow of death? through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruits and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not even say, Where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. You may be seated. Pinky, kill these chandeliers where maybe we can see this. Tim, I want you, I, you've seen this video before, but it's just such a great testimony video. You may not be able to see it real good, but more important than seeing it, listen to what this thing says, because I believe that if you've been walking in Christ very long. You've either experienced this or at one point in your Christian walk you are going to experience this type of feeling. So I hope you enjoy it. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, that we're in essence His masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, you know. I mean, maybe a, a Picasso, you know. But I want to be a masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, God, do whatever it takes to, to get things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, you just said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. Oh, okay, okay. Um, if you're God, then make it snow in here. You know, if I made it snow in here, it'd get kind of yucky, and I really don't want to do that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. If you're God, what does Lamentations 15:9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? You know what? I'm not so much into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. I gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <laughs> yep, I do that. Don't I? Get it again. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. okay. All right. Hey, um, what's this about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Oh, okay. All right. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Here we go. Step okay. right up. Here we go. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How do you know what to chisel and what to leave? I take out all the things in your life that aren't out of me, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you chisel right in here? 
I just can't get rid of it. I mean, the other went away, but this, I mean, I've tried exercising, I've watched what I ate, I even did Pilates for a while, that was awkward. But if you could chisel, All I mean, right? Can I talk or can I chisel, talk, chisel, talk, chisel, No, talk, no, 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 chisel. All right, most of my children just like to talk. Not me, bring on the chisel. Here we go. All right, you have a lot of anger. Ow. Some pride. Ow. Compare yourself to others instead of me. Ow. You're lazy, <clears throat> but you pretend like you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Okay, <laughs> time out. <laughs> I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Um, maybe, maybe we can take a little time out. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. You are doing good, but when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and others need to see my son. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, don't take this the wrong way. It's just that when I start looking more like your son, um, people get uncomfortable around me, you know? I mean, even my friends at church, they're all like, oh, you're holier than thou. Why would you do that, you know? I mean, so what do you're doing right now is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. I did not say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. I mean, you know everything I'm thinking. I'm just saying, you've done good work. Maybe we take a little break, a little time out, then we'll come back to right. it. What you're doing right now is so common. What you're doing right now is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control? Chisel? Control? No, no, chisel! chisel. Here we go. Can, can we chisel where I want that? It's called control. Okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. You ready for this? hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Ow! I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And there are the things in your life, you even think back to high school, that you've been doing that do not work in your life, but you go to these empty wells whenever you're hurting, whenever you're angry, whenever you're lonely and tired, but they do not work. No, no, okay, okay. Um, I'm thinking maybe Your we could... not my thoughts. Oh, okay, but if we went another way... Your we ways could... are not my ways. Okay, well, look, I can't be good. You can't be good. I've made you good. Be good. Nothing. What is it? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just... God, I've let you down so many times. No. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand, and don't you forget that. In this relationship, I hold you up. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because God, I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror. And it is this, this scared little kid who gets up every day and tries to dress like an adult and act like an adult. But I can't. So just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. 
You have listened to so many voices for far too long that are not of me. You think you're junk, don't you? You really, really, really think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't make junk. What does that say about me? How can I show you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. God. Yes? I was just saying, God, I'll do that right now. You were just saying my name in vain. You know what? It, it's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's, it's more it's... than a name. It's more than a saying. It's more than a bad habit. It's a name above all names. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. a page from, from a journal I had when I was younger. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie Holland. Other side. Sorry. I married her. I was there. Oh, oh yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. Not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how it's possible, but I want that with all that I am. So please do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. So this salvation that you hold, don't let it be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And don't compare yourself to someone else because that is just trivial nonsense. You are my original masterpiece. You are one of my workmanship and you I find favor. This, don't look at this as a prison, but look at this as a, a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's gonna be tough. Yes. It'll be tough. But you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. It's not how it works. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy. No, 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 no. The way you see yourself or you yearn so much for others to see you. But the way I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. I, um, I bet I've watched that video a million times. If I watched it once, I've watched it a million. I mean, I've watched this video over and over and over and over. You know, um, I, I got to thinking about just what this man was like before the beginning of the video. If you'll notice in the video, he takes a note from his journal out of his back pocket. And he wrote this when he was younger, when he was just a youth. And he writes this letter and he says, God, today... I am handing everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything that you don't want me to hold on to. 
God, if you tell me to let it go, I'm going to let it go. And that was a commitment that he made to God. God, I'm giving my life to you. God, I believe that you can do anything you want in me. And he got off to a good start, I'd say. But somewhere along the way, he said, instead of being chiseled into a masterpiece, he began to look like a Picasso. And I don't know how many of you in here are familiar with art, but Picasso, he would outline a person's face and image. The outline in the hair and stuff would actually look like a human being, but then the face would just be twisted, and it would be like a, you were looking into one of them illusional mirrors. It just, everything was out of proportion. So he said that after a while he didn't feel like God's masterpiece, but instead he began to just look like a Picasso. He had the outline of being God and being God's child, but when he really got to looking close, everything inside of him, everything of who he was, he had found a place to where he wasn't even trying to go after God like he used to. He got off to a good start and, and God begins chiseling away and God begins making him into everything he wants to be. He begins to take pride off of him. He begins to take anger away from him. He begins to take lust away from him. And all these things hurt. Oh, to let go of lust. Oh, it hurts. To let go of anger. Oh, it hurts. To let go of pride. It don't feel good at all. And after a while... You're fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting and, and you're, you're pushing this flesh away and then you just get so tired and you think, can we just take a break? You know, I'm just tired. Can we take a break? Can we just sit down for just a minute? You know, we've got off to a good start now. Let, let's just wait a little while and then we'll get back at it later. God says, no. No, I've got to keep chiseling. I've got to keep making you into what I need you to be. But we fight with Him for control. We lose track of that day where we said, God, today I'm giving you control of everything that's in my life. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. And somewhere along the way, we decide that we're going to take control back for ourselves. We're tired. You know, I'm tired of of uh, 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 studying all the time. I just want to lay on the couch and watch TV for a little while. I, I, I'm, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of feeling like, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know what to pray anymore. Uh, I get on my knees and, and I don't even know what to pray anymore. So I just, you know, I, I get lost in my prayers. My mind goes to wonder and before you know it, I'm not, even, I, I'm not even talking to God anymore. I'm just thinking about stuff. So before you know it, your prayer life just begins to come to nothing. Before you know it, you, your study life, you have to make yourself get into the Word. And, and, and you can get so far out there before... Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You can get so far out there and you don't even realize that you have walked plumb away from God. You know, He made us a promise. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But he said, there may be times that you walk away from me. There may be times that you don't let me have control of this or let me have control of that. We don't wait, you know, as youth and when we're looking for that perfect person, we don't wait for what God wants. We just see with our eyes what we want. 
Uh, whenever we're looking into a job situation as adults, we don't wait to see, God, is this something that is going to glorify you? Is this something that's going to be good for me? We look at it and say, this is what I want, God. And we, in the back of our mind, we want to say, God, you have control of this. God, if it's your will... Me and Chris was listening to a, a comedian, Aaron Wilburn. He's been here before, some of you may remember. We need to get him back too, Mac. Aaron Wilburn, I was listening to him, and he was talking about Krispy Kreme donuts. And he was talking about how good Krispy Kreme were. He said he loves when the hot sign's on because you ain't even got to chew. Just put them in, they go down. And he was talking about how he, was, he, he had been on a diet and he was trying to lose some weight, and, 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 but he, he had been eating right and he thought he drove by and there was a Krispy Kreme and the hot sign was on, Nick. And he'd been doing so good. And he said, well, maybe because I've been doing so good, this is a reward from God. This hot sign is on and it's a sign from God that says, come on in and get one. He says, so I'm gonna, i got to make sure about this. i got to throw my fleece out here. So he says, I'll tell you what. If a parking place opens up on the front row of Krispy Kreme, I'll know it's from God. And he said, praise be to God, the fifth time around the block, won't you know that a parking place right there in the front row opened up? And you know, that's the same way that we do in our lives. We know that this fleshly desires that we have, whatever it is for, whatever your particular situation is, we know that it's not of God. We ain't got to lay a fleece out. We know that this is not something that God desires for us. But we will drive around the block five times and say, God, if it's you, make it happen. And we'll wait ten years just saying, if the front parking place just comes open, I know it's from you. We do that, don't we? Just so that we can find a way to fulfill the fleshly desire inside of us, but still feel like that God was in control when we know all along God wasn't in control. We was. And I started thinking about how each of us can relate to this guy in some way or another that we just we, we get tired and we begin to, to quit fighting. How many of you know that this faith, this walk of faith, it's a fight? Paul said, I fought the good fight. He said, I've kept the faith. And because I've done this, there's a crown that's laid up for me that's just for me. And he'll give it to all those two that fight the good fight and that keep the faith. It's a fight. But how many of you know that when you're in a fight, sometimes you get tired? Well, I want you to know that that's where this man got and he decided to take a break. God had to open his eyes. Look with me, if you would, again at Jeremiah chapter 2. I guess I want every one of you to know this morning that this is not a new problem. <laughs> if you've been here where I'm talking about, this is not a new problem. This is a problem that we have dealt with since the beginning of Adam and Eve's sin. This is a problem that God has been dealing with um, uh, saving His people and then they go out there on their own. He reels them back in. They go out there on their own. He reels them back in. They go out there on their own. He reels them back in. Well, this morning I believe God wants to reel a few of us back in. This is not a new problem. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 2, God tells Jeremiah, the prophet, the one who carries his word to his people, 
He says, Jeremiah, I need you to do something. I need you, first and foremost, to go. This is not something that we can keep ignoring. This is not something that I can look at Nick and say, well, you know, I know Nick's tired. I know he is. I'm just going to leave him be. I'm just going to let him dabble out there for a little while because I, I know he's tired. No, I can't do that, Nick. I've got to look out there and I've got to see that Nick is not where I want to see him be at. I've got to look out there and I've got to be able to recognize that Mac is not where he once was. I've got to be able to look at Kevin and say, Kevin, you are not where... I, I had a man ask me one time, this was a literal question that came to me. He said, how far do you have to go back before you're backslidden? It's a good question, ain't it? How far do you have to go back before you're backslidden? If there is ever a moment in your life to where you are behind any at all where you used to be with him, then I'm here to tell you this morning, you're backslidden. You're backslidden and you need to get back to that place to where you were moving forward with God, where God had full control of your life, where He had His chisel in hand and He could do whatever He pleased with your life, no matter what, He was in control, not you. He says, Jeremiah, I need you to go. I don't need you to broadcast this over the telephone. I need you to go. And I need you to tell these people, but don't just tell them. Look what he says. Go and what? Cry. He says, Jeremiah, this is my children. We got any parents in the building this morning? How many of you have got kids that are not where they need to be and you know it? And, I, and, and there's something that cries inside of you that says, God, I need my kids to be where they need to be. Anybody in here ever dealt with a rebellious teenager? Those are trying times, ain't they? They will drive you crazy just about, but that love you have for them cries to them, and it pleads to them, and it says, please, please look at what you're doing. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Look at where you're at. Look at what you're doing. Don't just tell them. Jeremiah, God said, Jeremiah, I want you to cry to them. But I don't want you to just cry to them from a distance. Look what he says next. Go to them and cry to them, but not from a distance. You cry to them in the hearing of Jerusalem. You get right in their ears and you beg with them. You get right in, in their ears and you plead with them. And you say, please recognize where you're at. Please recognize that you're not where you once were. He says, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was God's nation. It was the place where His children were. They came to this place to sacrifice to Him. They came to this place to worship Him. They came to this place to feast with Him. However, they didn't even realize that they had walked away from Him. He says, go to them and cry in their hearing and say to my children, here's the first thing, I remember you. <laughs> I remember when you were just a, a child. I remember when you took your first steps into my arms. I remember when you come out of Sunday school class with a drawing that looked like a Picasso. 
but you just wanted me to see this drawing so bad. I remember when you wanted me to hang this thing on the refrigerator where everybody that come in the house could see it. I remember when the only thing in your life was just wanting to please me as your parent. I remember you. I remember when you were obedient to me. I remember when your heart's desire was just to love me. I remember you. I ain't forgot you. But I also recognize that it's a memory. I also recognize that that's where you were. It's not where you are. And now I'm crying to you. And now I'm pleading to you. And now I'm begging to you. Come back to that place to where you were as a child. Come back to that place to where God had full control. Come back to that place to where you just want to please Him. I asked a question as I was studying this. Um, I, I, me and my boss, Anthony, we, we study together. I know what he's going to preach. He knows what I'm going to preach. So if you want to know what Solid Rock got this morning, come talk to me afterward. But I, I, we study together on everything. And uh, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, because... Uh, 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 uh. Y'all know how he does. He said, let me ask you a question because um, uh, I know how I am and when I'm studying something, I, uh, it, it, always, it always gets to me first and I'm thinking about something that gets me on it. What, what were you thinking about that got you on this? And I said, Anthony, let me ask you a question. How can you be so desirous today to go after him and then have to fight to do it tomorrow? How? What happens? What changes? Where, how do you get from this child who loves and serves and just wants to please the father and the mother? How do you get from this place to the place to where you just have to fight to make yourself get in the Word? How do you get to the place where you have to fight to talk to God? How? What changes? Where do you get there? I said, Anthony, it's in there somewhere. It's in there. And we got to digging. And we found this place where God said, I remember you. You haven't always been this way. I remember the kindness of your youth. I remember when you were all about my people. I remember when your heart's desire was just to spend time. I remember when you just wanted to grow together. I remember you. I remember when you were so in love with your brothers and your sisters and you were all about family. I remember you. I remember the kindness of your youth. I remember the love of your betrothal. The word betrothal actually means a marriage ceremony. It was a time where you actually became one with Him. You were not two separate peoples. He said, I remember the love of your betrothal where you could not be close enough to me, where you could not get close enough with me. I remember you. I remember when you went after me in the wilderness. I remember when you went after me with all your heart in a place that no one had ever dwelt, in a place that was full of deserts, in a place that was full of... Um, uh, of thorns and thistles and no crops grew here. There was, there was nothing here but deserts and pits. It was a land of drought and of the shadow of death. It was a land that no one had ever crossed, but you went after me there. 
It was a road that you had never seen. It was a road that when you looked at it, you said, God, I don't know if I can do this, but I trust you, so I'm going to walk after you. He said, I remember when you walked after me by faith in a wilderness, in a land not sown. But what happened? How do you go from that day to where you're so desirous for him that you will follow him through thick and thin, that you will let him chisel whatever he wants? How do you go from there to having to fight just to make yourself take the next step? I want to look, if you would, to um, Jeremiah chapter 21. Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 21. I want to look at what may have happened, where the fight went away. Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. I'm going to make this quick because I've, I've, I've said my point this morning anyway. Jeremiah 7 verse 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go ahead and add to your burnt offerings, to your sacrifices, and go ahead and eat that meat. Just eat it. Go ahead because these burnt sacrifices, they're supposed to be completely consumed for me. But you know what? Just go ahead and, and, and you eat it. He says, For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. But look at verse 24. What's the first word? Yet, even though this is what I commanded them, Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but they followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts. And what did they do? They went backward and not forward. He said, when I saved you, when I shed my son's blood to cover your sins, when I saved you and I brought you out of this land of bondage, I did not command you that you continue to live in a life of sin and just give me sacrifice to be forgiven for it. I saved you and commanded you to obey my voice. And somewhere along the way, you quit fighting. Somewhere along the way, you decided that because you could be forgiven by providing sacrifice, then you would just do whatever the flesh desired to do. Somewhere along the way, you just gave up. Somewhere along the way, you just quit. There was no fight left in you. Oh, but I remember you. I remember that you've not always been this way. I remember that there was a time when you weren't about getting forgiveness. You were about being obedient. But now... You have quit fighting and because of that you have went backward and not forward. You have become in a backslidden position because you have took even just one step back. You know, I, I, I get bothered by little bitty things that I do now. Things, and I know there ain't no little bitty things to God, but little things that me and you would consider not a big deal, they bother me. They bother me bad. And that's a good thing. 
but I, I, I am so bothered when I take just a little step backwards. It, it, it just it, it drives me crazy when I go just a little bit backwards. And then I've got to do something to get back up here in the front where I'm supposed to be because I'm the head, not the tail, Nick. I'm the first, not the last. You follow me, I don't follow you. If we are walking in the same direction, then we follow Him together and we both are the head and we both are the tail and we both lead, we don't follow. That's what we do. But somewhere along the way, we quit leading and we start following. We go backwards and not forward. So what do we do when we go backward? The remedy, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 13. Jeremiah 3, verse 13. Three quick points and I'm done. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 13. Only what? <laughs> yeah, I've got a friend of mine that um, he had a very bad motorcycle accident. Uh, very bad. Plates all in him. And... Um, I didn't know him until after he had the motorcycle accident. But the doctors had been putting him on so many medications for pain. And a um, good, good friend. And he had him on all these medications, and, and he needed something. He really did. I mean, he was in pain all the time. But me and my other friend began to notice that this guy, after a while, he wasn't the same that he once was. And... He began to um, not show up for things that we, we were doing. He, we began to have to go, or, or my friend used to have to go to his house to check on him, and, and we began to try to talk to him to question him that maybe, that maybe that this thing might have gotten out of his control. Oh, we opened up a can of worms. I'm talking about we, we stirred up a hornet's nest. Well, it wasn't but just about a month later that my friend got a phone call, or did, he got a... My friend didn't, he didn't show up one day. So he goes, and he goes to his house to check on him. And when he gets there, he can't wake him up. When he gets there, his feet are solid blue, and they're swelled up this big around. His, his lips are busted because they've gotten so big. His kidneys have shut down. He calls the ambulance. He gets the ambulance. They go to the Columbia Hospital. Come to find out, he was on so many different medications, he just lost control. And, and he, 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 it was out of his control at this time. Well, it was only at that point that he was on his deathbed right there that he began to realize that maybe I've got a problem. Maybe something is, maybe something's out of my control now. Maybe, maybe just maybe this is not what I thought it was. And he began to acknowledge that this is not right. And if I don't change something, I'm not going to make it much longer. And he went to a rehab facility after he got better. And since, since he has been out of this thing, he has been a completely different person. I have never in my life, he's still in pain. He still deals with the pain. But he's learned how to manage it with very little of just the minor stuff. He's learned how to get away from a lot of this stuff the point I'm trying to make is this. Until he came to that first step of at least acknowledging that I'm not who I once was and that something is wrong, he could not be helped. 
He was on his way to destruction until he began to acknowledge, and God tells all of us this, you've got an addiction. You do. You are a flesh addict. You have desires within yourself that will control you if you let them. If you quit fighting, they will take control of you. And he says here, you've got to acknowledge when you take one step backward. You've got to acknowledge where you're at. And you've got to see that I'm not where I once was. He says, only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. And then verse 14, we see our second step. First you acknowledge. What do you think the second step you've got to do? You've got to come back. You've got to repent and you've got to start fighting again. Did I say it was going to be easier to pray? No, not necessarily. Did I say it was going to be easy for you to just desire again to get in His Word? No, not necessarily. It might begin to again. But you've got to start fighting again. You've got to get up off of your uh, laziness and you've got to get back in the fight. You've got to be able to sit on your deathbed when it's your time and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the faith. And now the crown is laid up for me because of the good fight of faith. He says, acknowledge your sin and return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I am one with you. Marriage is a physical pointer to the spiritual relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. Through the flesh we have man and woman and they come together in sexual union and they become one flesh. But then it is a pointer to you and Jesus Christ as you come together in spirit, not in flesh. It's a whole different world. You come together in spirit and you become one by this spirit. You join together. And he says here, Return to him, O backsliding children, for thus says the Lord, I am married to you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. I'm not going to go through the rest of my stuff. This is my closing scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Whenever we come up with the remedy, me and my boss, man, we looked at each other, because we, we go through these spells all the time. I don't know if y'all do or not, but I, I'll stand up here in front of you and tell you I do. Uh, we go through these spells a lot, and we encourage each other, and we lift each other up, and we help each other get through these times. But he said one of the things that we have to do on a daily basis is this right here. We have to examine ourselves. We need to be able to look at ourselves and say, according to the life that I live, if I look at my life and the things that I put as priority in my life, am I one with Jesus Christ? There's the question. Let me see this one more time. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. What Paul says, he said, I fought the good fight. I have what? I have kept the 
faith. That is the good fight. Keeping the faith. Continuing to follow Him in the wilderness, in a land that no one has dwelt, in a place that is only a shadow of death. But I followed the path by faith. He says, examine yourselves and see as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Here's the test. Can I look at my life and can I say that according to the way that I live, my daily routines, the things that I do, there's no question that I am married to Jesus Christ. There's no question in my life that He is top priority. I'm not talking about how many, how many times you've been to church in your life, even though that is a byproduct of Him being your top priority. I'm talking about your lifestyle. I'm talking about what you do on a daily basis. I'm talking about what your life is about. He says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Can you look? When people look at you, the, the video said, look in the mirror. He looked in the mirror. He said, what do you see? I see me. Well, there's a problem. When people look at you, they should see Jesus. And you should test yourselves and see, am I one with Jesus Christ? Is He my Lord? Is He my Master? Is He in control or am I in control? Unless indeed, I'm not even going to go there this morning. Examine yourself. Christian, was there a time in your life to where you gave God full control? I know this message ain't for everybody. Maybe it's just for me this morning. <laughs> Is there a time in your life where you gave God full control, but somewhere along the way you've decided that you know best? Somewhere along the way you've decided that your ways are as good as His ways and that it's really not that big a deal? Is there some area in your life that you have not given Him complete control? I heard Charles Stanley say one time, if there is any area in your life, any area where you will not give Him complete control, you say, Lord, you cannot have this. If there is one, I didn't, he didn't say if you have areas in your life that are not right with Him. He said if there is an area in your life where you will say, Lord, you cannot have this. You can touch any other area in my life, but you cannot have this. If there's one, he said He is not your Lord. Lord means He has full control. didn't mean that you won't be disobedient from time to time. But he says that Lord means that he has full control and that when you recognize you have not given him control, you give him control. I remember you. I remember when you wanted to please me. I remember when you were all about me. I remember when there was nothing more important. I remember when you went after me with everything that you had. But I don't see that today. That's a question you have to examine yourself with. I ask you to look at yourself right now and you decide if this message is for you or if it's just for me. I, I'm not a judge. I promise you that. I won't look at a single one of you and say, Nick, you're not where you used to be. If I see something, I'll come talk to you about it. This is a message in general for you to examine yourself and see, God, have I went backward? Do I need to go forward?
and say, God, today I remake this commitment to you that I am going to go forward with you, not backward. As hard as it is, as bad as it hurts, I will follow you.